I looked with interest at this picture. This is uh, Buffalo, New York uh, this morning. And uh, they had somewhere between five and six feet of snow. Better them than us. And I say that with how many people from Milwaukee here today? 20? We're so glad you're here. Welcome to St. John's this morning. Glad you're here. If you close your eyes and you go back to that first Thanksgiving that you were away from home, where were you? I was stuck in a dorm room at Concordia College in St. Paul, Minnesota at what was to be the beginning of an absolutely enormous snowstorm. And I never needed to be with family so much in my whole life as I did that moment. I had gone away to college because I had kind of screwed up at Cal State Fullerton. And my dad said, we can go to any college you want to, but I'll only pay for it if you go to Concordia Seward, Concordia St. Paul, or Concordia River Forest. So I chose St. Paul, which was 70 miles over the river and through the woods from my grandparents' house. That Thanksgiving, that week before Thanksgiving, and a couple weeks before that, I'd blown out my knee playing football. I was in a drill, and my knee buckled underneath me, and the guy just drove me into the ground, and my knee was twisted funny. The, the trainer came out and straightened it out, which immediately took the pain away, but I was done. And a California boy who really hated it there was stuck. And I knew that if I could just get through Thanksgiving, then I could get to Christmas, I could tell my father, there's no way in God's green earth that I will ever go back to that God-forsaken place in Minnesota. <laughs> I remember that uh, waiting for my ride to come, and it was a gentleman who had Asperger's, and he worked as an engineer in Honeywell, and he had a van. And in the back of the van, he had just set a kitchen chair. And he said, Tim, he pulled up. And I said, where do you want me to sit, Chuck? And he said, we can sit in the chair. I said, you got to be kidding me. Now, I was 19 years old at the time and full of courage. But I knew that with all the trucks on the road and all of the things, that it was just a matter of time before I was left for dead in the snow. So I sat on the chair. And we drove 72 miles to Grandpa's house. I don't think I ever was more relieved in my life to be over the river and through the woods in the snow. Grandma's turkey was always dry. She overcooked everything she ever made. That's how my grandpa ate everything. Well, you got to cook it till it's done. It's like, but grandpa, it's gross. <laughs> Her dressing was made with a, a sage. And my Uncle Bill, uh, my grandfather, uh, Vern Schreiber's son, my Uncle Bill, he called it blowtorch dressing. And grandma would always make and stuff the bird with it, but then she would make more and just pour so much sage on it for my uncle that we were breathing sage and had sage coming out of our pores for two weeks after Thanksgiving. Back in those days, you only got two football games. We had one on NBC and one on CBS. There was no such thing as ESPN, no such thing as cable. I mean, it's just... The house smelled just wonderful. Grandma was a pretty good cook, but she was an excellent baker. And so the pies weren't a little good. The pies with real whipped cream were out of this world. Grandpa smoked cigarettes and drank beer. And I can still smell kind of the mixture of cinnamon and old style and camel cigarettes. 
that's right. First, the first Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving away from home, and I was so happy to be locked in a house with my family and to share that tradition far away from home with a bad leg and a bad attitude, but just being there with family made an enormous, enormous difference. Where was your first Thanksgiving when you were away from home? With a grandma and grandpa, a friend, were you alone in a, in a dorm room or maybe off in the military somewhere and you ate with 35 of your closest buddies in your platoon or whatnot, right? It's the power of family, the power of being together, the power of being in community with other people when all you need is, is just to have a little bit of support and a little bit of encouragement. Abby read this, and I just want to read a little bit of it again for you because I think it's so important. In our church, I, and, and when I do teaching church, you'll hear me say this over and over again. There's two words that we always look for in Scripture. We always look for buts, and we always look for therefores. And here's the therefore of Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The picture there is the picture of the parrots in orange. And if you've lived here long enough, you can hear those parrots squawking. If you have a pecan tree on your parkway, they make an enormous mess, but they don't really care. They don't care if they start squawking at sunup. They don't care if they start squawking at sundown. They don't care if your baby's got to go. They don't care. Those parents have no, those parrots have no care about anything. Why? Because they're birds. What do they care? They land in a tree and God feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the intention of the text there, we don't, we don't do that in English except in intonation. What, what Jesus is saying there is, you are much more valuable than they. And God loves you more than every one of those parrots. He loves you more than any one of the sparrows. You are the best and the brightest thing that God ever made. All the other stuff God spoke into being except for you. You and your great-great-great-grandpa Adam. God looked at the dust and he made Adam with his hands and he made Adam in the image of God and he made Eve handcrafted out of a rib from Adam's side. And he looked at them and he said, wow, I've done something great. You are valuable, so valuable, so valuable that when humanity was broken in the fall, that God would recreate humanity by sending Jesus into the world. He didn't send a, a telegram. He, he, he didn't send a, a, a guy in a van with a chair on the floor. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to save those who are under the law because of the value that God placed on you. He sent Jesus to suffer and die to redeem us and bring us close. 
The big fancy word for that is atonement. And if you break that down, it's good, right? A-T-O-N-E. If you put a slash after the T and the O, it's at one. God sent Jesus to be one with humanity, with me and you, so that you'd be a part of the family of faith, a family not linked by turkey and gravy, but a family linked by the blood of Jesus and the hope of life eternal. And the beauty of that, the staying power of that, and the hope that that drives, yes, you are more valuable than birds and lilies. I love that. And so maybe the first part of being grateful and figuring it out is to identify the source of, of all things. And so we come to Psalm 24, 1 to 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who lived in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Maybe you can take the responsibility for the world off of your shoulders today. Take the responsibility of all the things that you are out of control of. When I was in Israel, we went through that election. We were sitting on our phones going like this. Ah. Not one thing changed except my hair grayed and a few more fell out. At some point, I just took the mantle off of that and said, Lord, this is in your hands. You created the seas. You made the earth. You formed all things. Perhaps the first piece of thanksgiving is acknowledging that everything we have, everything we are, and everything that we do comes from God and that he's responsible for it and it's going to be okay. He who loves you more than you love yourself is the one who is the source of your family, your friends, all of your possessions, all of your stuff. And maybe this week you have an opportunity to gather your heart, to gather your soul, and say, the earth is the Lord's. All my stuff, all my family, all the things that I love, all of the things of this world come from God. It's the first place to move that heart into a place of gratitude. The most memorized and most recited scripture in the history of humanity is probably this from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this goes way, 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 way back, 2,000 years before Jesus, these words. I should have read this in Hebrew, but I, eh, it's showing off. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I'd ask you to read this one with me if you can see it. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. 
You see, it's easy to remember the Lord when we're hurting. And we say, Lord, I got nothing else. I need you. But when things are good, when we have a lot, when you're out doing your thing and, 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 and you're, you're buying your groceries, and you say, well, that's a lot of money, but I still have money. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. At that time, it was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. If you know the history of Israel, they, they forgot the Lord, and the Lord brought calamity upon them because they forgot and because they forgot to worship him, and because they forgot to put him first, and because they had all sorts of other things that took priority over remembering the Lord. The second piece of being grateful is don't forget. Don't forget where you came from. It's my dad and my grandpa with a camel cigarette and me, with all that white hair, boy, I wish I had that back. That's where I come from. The two men who probably had the biggest impact on my life in my family are my father and my maternal grandpa. Remember where you came from and remember who brought you to where you are today. My grandma and grandpa, very simple people, but very pious people. We did not skip church. It wasn't what you did. Unless you were barfing up a lung or had a bone sticking out of your leg, you were going to church. And my grandpa at the end was about blind, and it was like going to church with, I don't know, Dr. Dude or Mr. Peabody or whatever, Mr. Magoo. I mean, he just couldn't see. I learned to tithe from my grandparents. I learned to laugh, be joyful with my grandpa. I was the first grandkid through high school. That's my graduation picture from Lutheran High on the lawn at Zion Lutheran Church just up off of Lincoln and E Street. And my grandparents were there and very, very proud. Remember where you came from. For those of us who are a little older, we can go back to parents, grandparents. I can even go back to my great-grandma. For those who are younger, remember your parents. Remember your grandparents and those who raised you in the faith and those who loved you and encouraged you along the way. And There's something that rumbles down inside of our hearts. I believe that's the, 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 the piece of gratitude that's absolutely critical in a chronically anxious culture. In the olden days, they would sit around the fire and they would look and it would be, my grandpa would tell the story to my dad and he'd say, Tom, my grandpa came over from Germany and homesteaded a farm in Cleghorn. And then you married my daughter and this is your son, my grandson. And telling that story and being recounted of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You don't need it to be tweeted. You don't need it to be messaged. You don't need it to, 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 to come to you on your TV, on a, on a CNN script. What, what we need to do is talk about it one to another and not forget it's the Lord is the one who has brought us to where we're at. It's not morbid to look at the past. 
For in the past we see the fingerprints of God on our lives and the lives of those who came before us. Acknowledge the Lord and don't forget and look forward. That's my grandson. <laughs> we got home from Israel and they kept him up. And we were exhausted. It was 25 hours of travel. And I can't sleep on an air. I don't care what airplane it is. I couldn't sleep on a stealth fighter. I can't. It's just... Ugh. Garage door goes up. The garage door to the house goes open. And who comes running out? Papa, papa, papa. Mama, mama, mama. Crew, who do you want to put you to bed? Mama, no. Dada, no. Papa, no. Mama put crew to bed. You've never seen anyone smile like my wife smiled on that. See, this is where we're going. These are the generations that need us. These are the little people that need us. And they need to have delivered to them the hope and the promise of Jesus. For without that, the big questions of life don't get answered, like who am I and what does this mean and where am I going? Those are only answered in family and through faith in Jesus Christ. Every time I grab that little guy, I wrap him up. And I said, what does Papa always say to you? He says, I love you. This Thanksgiving, I pray that you'd have an opportunity to look up and acknowledge that God is the good giver of everything that you have. I pray that you'd be able to look back where you've come from and whether it's painful and broken or beautiful and perfect or like most of us, somewhere in between. But in that, you would be able to acknowledge the goodness of God working out his purposes in your life. And I pray, too, that you'd look ahead, that you'd put your arm around your knucklehead nephews or your crazy family people, and you would offer words of encouragement and affirmation. See, in a chronically anxious culture where people are trying to make sense of a chaos that's like none in the history of humanity, perhaps maybe your home, your place, your gathering, your family, your piece of thanksgiving is that place that someone will remember and tell the story and say, that November of 2022, I remember not because the turkey was dry or the stuffing was filled with sage, but I remember that I was loved and I was encouraged. And when I needed it absolutely the most, God showed up in my family and created a marvelous sense of gratitude. Don't forget the Lord, the most important part. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I don't know why I'm so emotional today, but it is what it is, I guess. Uh, praying gratitude for so much. Having traveled, Lord, I just give thanks for the United States, <laughs> for bacon, uh, 
for all the things that are your good and gracious gift to us. We thank you, Lord, for our families. If we were to go around and say, what are you grateful for? Lord, 90% of us would say, family, 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 family. And we rejoice at that. We know that families have broken pieces. We know that you, you use grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, uh, nieces, nephews, children, grandchildren. You use them all to create a sense of connectedness. How we pray for that. I pray for those people who are afraid. Not afraid, Lord, but afraid. Who are just kind of shredded out there on the edge of community. I pray that with our gatherings this week, whether it's 50 people or four, doesn't matter. I pray that people who are lonesome and hurting would find a sense of safety and peace. Bless us in all that we do. Remind us that you are the giver of all good things and that you love us with a love that is everlasting to everlasting. Bless us too, Lord, as we come to your table. Uh, it's simple today. A little bread, a little wine, but a big promise. You link us to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Sins forgiven. We're at one with you. And you love us. Bless us as we as the family of faith gathered together today receive that gift of the Lord's Supper. And confess together your resurrection until you return.